Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to 3 John chapter 1 and verse 2. I believe 3 John chapter 1 and verse 2. We've been talking about prosperity and let's look what the beloved John has to say to us, the best friend of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, this is a very intriguing prayer. It's a very intriguing passage of scripture because the word prosper shows up twice in this verse. And it's amazing in the time frame that we live in. Naturally speaking, everyone wants to prosper. But unfortunately, in the church world, this word prosper has somehow been a bad word, even to the point where people say that someone like myself is a prosperity preacher. Well, yes, I preach prosperity. I believe God wants us to prosper. And we say that in a way as if that's a negative thing. But God does want us to prosper, just like you want your children to prosper, just like you would like your grandchildren to prosper, just like you want your family to prosper, just like you want to prosper yourself. God wants us to prosper. It is his will. It is his way that we prosper. He wants us to excel. He wants us to grow. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to advance. He wants us to thrive. He wants us to increase. He wants us to have more, to be able to do more. He wants us to be live in abundance. He wants us to overflow. This is the will of God for our life, that we prosper and be in health. It's better to be in health as you prosper. And he wants us in health. The opposite of health is being sick. So he doesn't want us sick. He wants us in health. But watch this. It's going to be in direct proportion and correlation to our soul prospering. And so we are going to prosper first on the inside before we prosper on the outside. Our soul consists of our mind, our will, and our emotions. We don't use that word soul every day. But the soul is your mind or your thoughts, your philosophy, your way of thinking, your will, your desires, your cravings, your appetites, and your emotions, which includes your feelings. And God wants us to prosper uh, in, the, in the entirety of our soul, but individually in our mind, will, and emotions, we're going to have to prosper. And all of that is on the inside of us. God desires that we prosper first on the inside before we prosper on the outside. Let me give you an illustration. You know the word overflow. It's a Bible word, right? Somebody shout overflow. Overflow. That's a Bible word, right? Overflow. If I had a cup up here and I begin to pour it with water, at what point does the water start to overflow from the cup? Once it gets full, right? And if, and if I keep pouring, it's going to overflow. So first and foremost, there has to be water on the inside of the cup first before there's overflow on the outside of the cup. It's the same way with God's prosperity. He wants to pro- us to prosper first on the inside before there'll be prosperity on the outside. So we're going to have to think about what we're thinking about. We're going to have to consider our thoughts. 
We're going to have to consider our way of thinking. We're going to maybe have to reject some of the things we learned prior. Like, well, I told, I told y'all this on the midweek boost, but my mom, when she received the Lord Jesus Christ in the old Baptist church, she vowed a vow of poverty. She was taught that if you want to be close to God, you have to vow to be poor. And there was a vow of poverty and a little ceremony where her and some ladies vowed to be poor because that was close to God. Well, that is a lie from the pit of hell. God doesn't want us to be poor. He wants us to prosper. Now, we, we rebuke that and reverse that curse. And now mom is a prosperous woman. Glory to God. But, but religion has taught us that, you know, poverty is close to godliness and these sort of things. But this is not Bible. And we find here in first and third John, we find that Jesus's best friend, John, tells us above anything else, I desire, I pray that you prosper and be in health. But it's going to be in direct proportion to your soul prospering. So we're going to have to prosper from the inside out. There has been an attack, I believe, recently. Always there's been an attack, but I'm seeing it more prevalent in in talking to people and listening to other people in our thought life. Uh, COVID has caused trauma, and I may talk about this in the next couple of weeks. I believe you and I have all gone through some form of trauma whether you realize it or not, we've been impacted by the effects of COVID. And then you add on political, a polarization of the political climate. You add on shortage of all this and that and inflation. You add all what's going on in our world. And it's impacted us in a way that now people are having thoughts that they never used to have before. Thoughts of suicide. Yeah, that's happened in the past, but it's more prevalent now. Thoughts of, uh, I need to leave my family. Thoughts of, I need to disconnect. These thoughts of, I've got to get away. And my kids don't love me. My family doesn't love me. You know, my wife, my husband, nobody loves me. And I might as well just leave. Take my life. Get away from here. And these thoughts are running prevalent in a lot of people. I dare say, if you're honest, you've had some of these thoughts. I just need to stop. And what's happening is, and I'll talk about it in a couple of weeks, I wasn't prepared to, well, I am prepared to talk about it today, but I'm not going to talk about it today. But we've all experienced trauma, and like I said, I'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. My assignment today is for us to look at Joshua. So let's go to Joshua chapter 1, and uh, we're going we're gonna to read verses 1 through 9, Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And the word of the Lord says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses's assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, about three million folks, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you 
nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage for this people, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance to the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper. Somebody shall prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Look at verse nine. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now take a look at me. Understand that Joshua is Moses's assistant. Moses is the deliverer, the savior of the children of Israel. He was the one God used to deliver them out of bondage of Egypt and to take them to the promised land. Now, Joshua himself was born a slave. So he was born in Egypt, born a slave. Now he's Moses's assistant and he receives this charge to be the leader of three million plus people at the age of 85 years old. So God's not done with you. If you less than 85 in here, God is not done with your life. And so Joshua received the assignment of 85 years old to be the leader of Israel. Matter of fact, he was one of the 12 spies that went out and he was him and Caleb were the only two that came back with a good report. And so Joshua, just like the children of Israel, are all shocked that Moses is dead. This is the great leader that delivered them out of bondage with supernatural miracles, signs and wonders have taken place. And he is now dead. They all thought he was leading them to the promised land and he's dead. And Joshua hears from the Lord said, the past is now the past. Moses is dead. Now I need you to lead these people to the promised land. And I love what the Lord tells him. He says, as I was with Moses, this has to be reassuring to Joshua. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. And so Joshua has to be reassured this with this saying. And then he tells them, wherever you step, wherever you go, is going to be territory and land that you take over. And no man will ever be able to stand against you. You, I don't care whoever comes up against you. They're not going to be able to stand against you. They're not going to be able to have the authority over you. No man's going to be able to do that. And I love what he also says to him there. He says, but only be strong and courageous. Now, the tendency that you and I have is to be cowardly and weak. Let's just be honest. The tendency that you and I have is to kind of cower down, kind of go to the back, kind of subdue ourselves. And I don't want too much attention and I don't want too many people knowing this and, and I don't want too much of this and I don't want too much of that. We want to be timid. But God is telling Joshua, I need you to be strong and courageous. That word courage means I need you to do what you are afraid to do. I need you to step out and do 
what is hindering you. I need you to step out and do some things outside of your comfort zone that is causing great fear. I need you to step out and I need you to do some things that's causing you the greatest concern and the greatest fear. I need you to step out and do some things. Be courageous. And he tells him again, be strong. Matter of fact, he tells him three times, be strong and very courageous. Now, God had given the assignment to Joshua, but understand Joshua still has to influence the people to get behind him. So just because he has the assignment from God doesn't mean he has the influence of the people. But thank God, if we keep reading in this verse, the people said, Joshua, you are our man. And whatever you say, do, we will do. Glory be to God. But there was something that's so vitally important that we find in verse eight of this passage of scripture. And let's put it back on the screen, if you don't mind. Joshua one and verse eight. I love this passage because it says this book of the law. Or the word of God shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And so if God did not want Joshua to be prosperous, why did he tell him how to be prosperous? If God does not want you and I to prosper and have good success, Why is he telling us how to prosper and have good success? I mean, if God's will was for us to be broke, busted, and disgusted, then why is he telling us in his word, this is how you make your way prosperous, and this is how you will have good success? Uh, Side note, success is relative. Uh, what's successful to someone else may not be successful to you. So don't get caught up in comparing yourself on social media of how successful you are versus how successful someone else is because it is very relative. And I'll tell you this. I know this firsthand. I've met some successful people and they are sometimes some of the most, let me say this way, successful people that I thought were successful in the way of thinking that I had. And sometimes they're the most saddest, depressed people I've ever met. They put up a good front that everything's all right on social media, but you really get to talking to them and they don't have any direction and purpose for their life. So don't get caught up in the the comparison game. And so God tells Joshua, here's how you make your way prosperous. Here's how you will have good success. And the first thing he says to him, do not let my word depart from your mouth. Do not let my word depart from your mouth. Now, that doesn't mean that every time you talk, you have to say scriptures. That's not what God was telling Joshua. However, he was telling Joshua, and he's telling you and I today, that every time we speak, it should not be contrary to his word. So when we speak, we should speak in agreement with God's language. So when we are talking, our verbiage and our communication is in line with the word of God. So I don't have to walk up to you and just say, oh, bless, I'm blessed in the city, blessed in the field. I don't have to say that. I can talk about basketball, but I shouldn't say I'm so cursed, I'm so broken, I'm so busted and disgusted. 
Uh, I should say I can go up to you and talk about how to cook a good meal. You don't want to know my advice as to how to cook a good meal, but I can talk to you. I can talk to you about how it tastes and but maybe not how to cook it. But I can talk to you about a good meal and that's okay. but I shouldn't be lying to you. Because that would be contrary to the word of God. And so God is telling you and I today that we should not let the word depart from our mouth because our mouth has the ability to turn around any situation that we're involved in. Let me say it again. Your words have the ability to turn any situation around that you are involved in. Your words are spiritual containers that carry power. God is a speaking spirit and he created you and I in his image. Nothing else is speaking. He created you and I in his image. So you and I are speaking spirits. And when God speaks, he creates. When you and I speak, we create, whether good or whether bad. We are creating something. So God is telling us to speak what we want to see and not what we currently see. Come on, somebody. God is telling us that we are to say what we want to see and not what we currently see. God is telling us to use our mouth to create and not eliminate. Come on, somebody. I'm talking to somebody today. God is saying use your mouth for construction and not destruction. God is saying, use your mouth for production and not destruction. When we begin to use our mouth, he's telling Joshua, you should open up your mouth and speak my word because my word have creative ability. My words have creative power. My words can set the course of your life. So don't let my words depart from your mouth. Because my words have the ability to change and rearrange things. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Say my words words have creative power. You have the ability to utilize your words to create what you want to see. It is in your sphere of influence. God has the ability to speak things and create and change things on a global uh, world sort of uh, planet scale. When he speaks, things rearrange and change at that moment. You and I have the ability to change and rearrange things with our words as we begin to speak what the word of God tells us to say. And so God says in Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Notice death and life are not in the power of Satan, but it's in the power of the tongue. And those who love it or those who love to talk will eat the fruit of what they're saying. Those who love it, those who love to talk will eat what they are saying. I submit to you that you and I are currently where we are based upon what we've been saying. Let me say it again. We we are where we are based upon what we have been saying. And if we want to go further, then we're going to have to say something differently. And we don't have to make up what we need to say. 
God has given us this Bible, this word full of words that we can say. And so when I get tired, I don't always say I'm so tired. I feel tired. I tell myself I want to have what I say, so I don't want to be tired. So I say I am strong because I'm I'm the word says, let the weak say what I'm strong. So I'm not lying. I'm saying what the word is saying. I am strong. So I begin to say what I want to see when my kids Get on my nerves. And how many of you know your kids can get on your very last one too? Last nerve. I say this out of my mouth. I am patient and I am kind. I, when I'm ready to bite somebody's head off, I say I am patient and I am kind. Before you get to cussing somebody out, some of y'all need to say I am patient and I am kind. That coworker that keeps messing with you, knowing that 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 person, you know they're trying to get on your nerves. You need to tell yourself, I am patient and I am kind. When your spouse says something so crazy to you and you know what to say to hurt their feelings, you need to go ahead and say, I am patient and I am kind. Come on, practice with me. I am patient and I am kind. You got to get in the habit because we are calling things that be not. We are saying what the word of God is telling us to say. And we're not saying how we feel. We are telling our feelings what to feel. Are you with me? We are telling our feelings. This is how we're going to feel. And we are utilizing that with the creative power of the word of God. Now, I need to add this as a little caveat in here. Sometimes people take this teaching and they stop telling the truth. If they'll say, they'll get a bad doctor's report. And, and then instead of, you know, I need prayer for that. They don't, they don't want anybody to pray because they don't want to say they got a bad doctor's report. And then they struggling by themselves. And then I have to go to your funeral. I don't want to go to your funeral because you didn't tell me you had a bad doctor's report. Go ahead and say, I got a bad doctor's report so that now we can get the word of God on it and begin to change what we can see and change what the doctor report is saying. The doctor's report is a fact unless their doctors have been wrong, but more, but, but it is a fact and, but the truth of the word can change the fact of the doctor's report. So let's not get mute. And we get so quiet and I don't want to say anything bad's happening to me. I don't want to say anything's going wrong because I got it all by myself. And then you beat up and then you want me to perform a miracle. Should have told me that six months ago. So we get the word of God on that and get things working. God is not a rabbit in a hat and we just do, 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 here you go. These things take a lot of the word of God on them to get the facts changed. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. And so he tells Joshua, if you want to be successful and prosperous, you're going to have to keep my word in your mouth. And the second thing he tells them, he says, meditate in it day and night. So if you're going to be strong, you're going to have to speak. And if you're going to be prosperous, you're going to have to meditate or you're going to have to study the word of God. Amen. The word meditate means to ponder, to consider to think deeply about, to roll it over in your mind, 
to imagine, to focus your mind. We're going to meditate the word of God. What does that mean? I know that lying spirits are telling me one thing. But the word of God tells me that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. So I'm going to have to meditate that. I'm going to have to put that on my phone to pop up as a reminder that God said he'll never leave me nor forsake me when I'm feeling like I'm abandoned, I'm alone, I'm all by myself. I'm going to have to write some things down and put it in my car so when I get in the car, I remember that God says he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Come on, somebody. I'm going to have to put some on the mirror. I'm going to have to put some on the fridge. I'm going to I'm gonna have to put something uh, on the TV. To remind me that God said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. And then you begin to think about this. God's going to never leave me nor forsake me. He said he's always with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. But, but, but you know, your, your, your parents say they don't like you no more. God says that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. But your child said, I'm cutting you off because you voted for the wrong person I voted for. God said that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. And you begin to meditate that. And you'll create an image of God being there with you. And while you're feeling alone and feeling scared, you know on the inside that God said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. And and if we can begin to believe the word of God, we can have what the word of God says we can have. There was one particular guy that called me this week and and he, he had a loss in his family. And he says, I've been praying that God would give me a sign that everything's gonna be okay. And I I understood where he was coming from. He just had a significant loss in his family. He wanted a sign that everything would be okay. My emotions went to him. I understand, brother, you want a sign. But God's given you something more than a sign. He's given you his word. If we can just believe his word, then we can believe him. And I don't need a sign to tell me everything's going to be okay. I got his word telling me that everything's going to be okay. And God said everything's going to be fine. You're going to be okay, man. Everything's going to be because he said it. Why don't we just believe him? Why don't we just believe the word? He said it's going to be okay, so it's going to be okay. Now, we may feel a certain way. Feelings can change. We may think a certain way. We can change the way we think with our words, but we got to know that everything's going to be all right because God said everything's going to be all right. And I told the man, I understood. I sympathized with him. I told him, I said, if I told you I was coming over your house today at five o'clock, would you say you want a sign? I need a sign that, that, that you're going to come over to the F5. Or would you just believe me? I just believe you. Well, that's what God's asking us to do. Just believe it. The devil can give you a sign. Oh, you want some signs? He's an angel of light. He'll show you, he'll show you a sign. You'll be like, Lord, should I marry him? I need a sign. The devil bring, bring, this could be the man God has brought into your life. The devil bring this old slick looking, in shape looking dude just right across. Oh, that's my son. No, that's a distraction. It's a temptation. That's right. It's not a sign from the Lord. Just believe God's word. Come on, somebody say meditate. Meditate requires focus and focus requires a target. Meditation is like chewing, and chewing creates hunger. 
You know, when you get a, a stick of gum and you chew a stick of gum, it, anytime I chew a stick of gum, I start getting hungry. Why? Because it's, it's teasing my stomach that something's coming down, but nothing's coming down. I start getting hungry. Well, meditation is the same way. As you begin to meditate something, you start getting more hungry for the things of God. And as you begin to meditate it, you begin to create an image on the inside of you because meditation takes information and turns it into revelation. When you meditate, it becomes real to you. It becomes alive to you. Now, Eastern meditation tells you to empty your mind. Free your mind. Well, well, you know why Eastern meditation tells you that? So that demons can jump in your mind and tell you what to think. But biblical meditation means to feel your mind. I am filling my mind with the word of God. And so you have to begin to meditate the word of God because your life goes in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. And so you're going to have to plant this word into your thought life and begin to think about what the word of God says. When I when I moved, I, one of the. I didn't mean to tell the story, but the Lord's leading me. One of the one of the scariest things I had, I used to be I used to be pretty scary. I'm not scary anymore, but I used to be pretty scary. I, I was scared to move out from away from my parents because what if I fall flat on my face and fail? Well, I just moved back in. Right. But I didn't I didn't know that. You know, I was scared. And then I, I, I just I was, you know, I, I don't I was scared to to step out into something new. Now, I wasn't scared of like airplanes or bugs or that sort of thing. But anything that felt like a risk scared me. And if it felt risky, I didn't want to do it. So I remember when I was going to move out away from my parents and, and you know, I moved back in like twice, two, three times I moved back in. That's another story. But I remember I was moving, I'm moving out and I, I just, I just got scared. I didn't want to move out of my apartment because I may not be able to pay the rent, you know, and, and I just got scared. And I remember getting scared to move to, you know, another job used to scare me. Oh my gosh. What if I get at this other job and I don't like it and I would be scared? And all that does is paralyze you. And the Lord said, you're going to have to change this. And it's not by prayer. It's by meditation. I begin to get in the word and I begin to see how much the Lord loved me. And I begin to see that his love for me will cast out fear. First John 4, 18, perfect love cast out fear. And I begin to imagine how much he loved me. And I begin to say, even hundreds of times a day, my father loves me. And begin to put this into practice, imagining his love. And anytime a negative thought would come that would say, you're going to fall flat on your face, I, I trained myself to think about how much I'm loved by God. And if he loves me, he'll cast out the fear. And I begin to think about things getting cast out. One of the, one word for the uh, one definition of the word cast out is to flush. And I used to flush the toilet. And I was like, that's my fear. The fear is going out the toilet. Praise God. And, and glory to God, the love of God is what's coming back in now. Hallelujah. This is the image I used to have to put in myself because I was trying to get rid of the fear in my life. So I, the only way to do that is to meditate on the love of God. And I begin to meditate on the love of God. And I begin to consider the love and to ponder and to think about how much I am loved. I begin to feel my thoughts with the love of God. And it became a revelation to me that I am his favorite child and he loves me. 
Now he loves us all. But that was the revelation I got. He loves me. He going to take care of me because he loves me. And the fear started to get flushed out. And then the Lord started asking me to do little stuff like go to the movies by yourself. And I would go to the movies by myself. I thought that was crazy, but I would do it. Go to, go eat by yourself. I would go to restaurants and eat by myself. I, I thought I always had, I used to always have a posse, a group of folks with me. Go by yourself. And then he said, I remember, go to Creflo Dollar Singles Conference by yourself. Well, Lord, I mean, I don't know anybody in Atlanta. I went down there by myself. I thought I was going to bring somebody back, but I didn't. Praise God. The Lord had Stacy for me. Then... Then he said, move to Charlotte by yourself. Well, here we are. Now I'm able to, to take steps and do these things because I've perfected the love of God. Then he said, walk away from a six-figure paying job and go into full-time ministry. Well, because I've been perfecting the love of God, I knew that he was going to take care of me. He's always taken care of me in the past. He loves me and he started me off. It was through meditation of his love that God has caused me to do things that most people would consider to be impossible. It's when you meditate the love of God. The opposite of meditation is to ignore. The opposite of meditation is to ignore. And so in order for us to prosper, we're going to have to speak the word because the word carries creative power and ability. We're going to have to meditate the word because our life goes in the direction of our most dominant thoughts. And meditation keeps God's word in your heart because out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. So the meditation of the word gets the word so abundant in our heart that we're going to begin to speak what's on the inside of us. And the third thing God told Joshua to do is to observe, observe to do. So he says, I want you to be strong. I want you to, I want you to speak. I want you to study. And here he says, I want you to do. And that word do is in obedience to what he's asking us to do, not do whatever you want to do, but do what he's asking us to do. I was reading the, the passage of scripture, 1 Kings chapter 18, about Elijah, how he uh, uh, killed the 450 prophets because uh, they had a battle and they were calling upon their God. And these 450 prophets were calling upon their dead God. And Elijah was calling upon the living God. And whoever answers by fire is the real God. Do you know that Elijah only did that because God told him to? I was reading that yesterday or a couple days ago that this was all done because God told him to do this. And when he prayed, he said, I have done what you've told me to do. But many times we're here today, we need to have more Elijah and go out there. And you need to go in that that strip club and go minute. God ain't told you to do nothing like that. You just want to go in the strip club. I'm talking to somebody. I don't know where that came from, but somebody trying to go to strip clubs. God told me to go in there and minister. No, he didn't. You making up stuff. You only do what God tells you to do. What is he telling you to do? And this is what Joshua is trying to accomplish. See, y'all think that, I, that somebody needed that. that. I didn't have no plans on saying that. 
Obedience. Doing what God tells you to do. Action. You're going to have to deserve to do. Faith without works is dead. So not only are you meditating the word, not only are you speaking the word, now it's time to do the word. You're going to do what you're meditating and speaking. Uh, Isaiah 119 says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Not only do you have to be willing, but you're going to have to be obedient and you'll eat the good of the land. So you're going to have to do, you're going to to put some action. There's going to be some energy. There's going to be something required of you in order to do what God's telling you to do. It's going to feel like a risk. And understand, Joshua felt like he was taking risks. It's going to feel like a risk. But if God is leading you, and you've been meditating it, and you're speaking it, then you're going to have to do it. And then he sums it up here, and he says, then you will make your way prosperous. So I like this. It's not that God's going to make your way prosperous. You will make your way prosperous. These keys to prosperity is you making your way prosperous, and you having good success. And success, remember, is relative. It's relative. And so we have to notice the three keys to prosper. God's way. There is a way to prospering uh, the enemy's way, and I wouldn't even call that prospering. I would call that probably fame. And you know, you... You can prosper without fame. This world is telling us that we have to be famous. Uh, The number one Google search, if you type in Google, or this is what Google says, the search that most people are typing in, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know what the number one answer is? Famous. What do you want to be when you grow up? Famous. That's the number one answer. They want to be famous. And I'm not talking about fame. I'm talking about prospering in every area of life, spiritual, soul, body, intellectually, physically, relationally, prospering, financially, prospering in every area of your life. I want to read a a quick uh, scripture. Bring me my phone there real quick, if you don't mind, Drew. I saw this the other day. Watch this. This is Isaiah 10, 27 in... The Young's Literal Translation. Watch this. Isaiah 10, 27 in the Young's Literal Translation. It says, And it hath come to pass in that day, turned is his burden from off thy shoulder, and his yoke from off thy neck, and destroyed hath been the yoke because of prosperity. Really interesting. The King James says because of the anointing. Uh, some translations say because of fatness or because of abundance. But I like this translation. Because of prosperity. Now watch this. I'm not, if you understand prosperity, we're not just talking about money. We're talking about advancing in every area of your life. It says the yoke will be destroyed because of prosperity. Jesus said, I came to give you life, Zoe, God kind of life, and life more abundantly. That's prosperity. The burden will be destroyed because of prosperity. 
And in order for us to prosper, it's going to require that we prosper on from the inside out. Somebody say, from the inside, from the inside out. out. This is how you experience true life. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.